The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Kate Nichols. Kate is a therapist and comedian living in New Jersey. When she was 24, all Kate wanted was her own car. Her mom agreed to help her find one, and Kate shares the ups and downs of that process and how it encapsulated the dynamic between the two of them. Hey, Kate, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, you know, I work at a school and we don't have school tomorrow uh, for the nice. holidays, so that's very exciting. Working at a school again, you get excited for like school, like days off. I guess you do that in regular working world, but it feels funny to still feel that in the school world. Yeah. Well, it probably brings up like old days off joy from being a kid yeah. <laughs> in the school setting. <laughs> Yeah, it's very exciting. That's that's my life right now. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, wh- what did you want to talk about today? Well, I have this story about my mom um, helping me buy my first car. That was my own car, my own vehicle. So let's see. It starts in 2014. I was 24 years old. And I had finished grad school. I got my master's in social work. Um, I'd gone straight through from undergrad to graduate school. And I was working my first social work job. So my first like full-time kind of big job. Um, And for the first time, I had free time and a little bit of disposable income. Um, so I really wanted to get a car. I had been living with my dad, um, and hadn't had a car. I I live in the suburbs in New Jersey, not too far outside of New York and, uh, went to school in the city, worked in the city, commuted for a long, long time already by the time I was 24 and, uh, really wanted my own set of wheels so I could get out and about and, you know, do things like go down to the beach and, uh, go out, see new places. Um, yeah. So I was ready. I really, I really wanted a car. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey also, and I feel like cars are pretty normal things to have. So was it something where you would just kind of borrow your parents' car, like up to that point when you needed a car kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So my grandfather had given us his old car when I was finishing high school. So I was using that to get to and from school. Okay. And he is a retired police officer. So he would get cars that were like the old (laughs) police cruisers because it's what he was the most comfortable in. (laughs) So I was driving a 96 Lincoln or no Mercury Grand Marquis. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like, if you know what the old police cars, like taxi cabs look like, like in the 90s and stuff, it's exactly like that. And it had like a bench seat in the front and it was luxurious. Like it was an old man's car, but it was ridiculous. It was a boat. And I, I hit things because I couldn't get the, you know, <laughs> spatial uh, reasoning quite right on it. Um, but I had that for a little while, but it was also just like a family car too. Like I was using it to go back and forth. And then 
again, like things would break on it and my family didn't have any money. So they're like, we'll just, you know, keep driving and <laughs> maybe it'll be okay. And so like we ran that car into the ground. Um, and then mm, throughout college, uh, the guy I was with, my boyfriend, we had like shared a car because he lived in the city, but he was taking classes out in Long Island. So we like got this shared car that he would use on days he had class and I would use it like on the weekends or whatever when I was out in New Jersey. Um, but again, it was like a shared car and we yeah. paid, oh my gosh, I think we paid 500 or $800 for this car, <laughs> um, had 200,000 miles on it. Like it was this old, what was it? Uh, Mazda Navajo. It was blue and I loved it. So there's this part of you that's like, yeah, I've just, I've just driven a bunch of shitty cars and it would be nice to have like a car that I've purchased for myself. That is like my car, my name on the documents, you know, like I take care of it. I, I would have the control, um, and the ability to go wherever I want, whenever I want and, you know, (laughs) do things my way. And it had been a long time coming. Like I had been waiting for a really long time because putting myself through school you know, was expensive and didn't have the money for a car. Um, And my family had been going through a lot. My parents had lost our house in foreclosure, but the bank hadn't taken it yet. So like my mom was still living in the house, but me and my dad and my brothers had moved out to an apartment. Uh, My parents split up. And uh, so there was that going on, just a lot of financial insecurity where I felt like I really had to, you know, make sure I was on solid ground before I could do something like buy a car. Um, yeah. So there's sort of this extra, like, pr- I guess, like pressure in your mind of like doing a purchase like this because of what's going on with your family at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I was terrified of the idea of more debt because I'd taken on so much student loan debt to get myself through school. Yeah. My parents were in a position, were not in a position to give me money for things. So like it was all on me to um, be able to finance it. Uh, and, you know, I had heard that people lease cars and you can put money down and then you pay off a car. But I was just so terrified of all of that, you know, seeing what my parents had gone through and it was 2014 at that point, but I started college in 2008 when the yeah, economic recession was so yeah, I. Yeah, full swing. Yeah. So <laughs> came into my adult life with like a ton of financial fear. Um, and uh, funnily enough, like for me, just growing up the way that I did, like a career in social work so- felt like a really solid financial choice, even though a lot of people would say like, oh, you don't make any money. Um, but I was like, no, that's like a, a profession. It's a career. Like you will have a job, you will have an income. But here I am 24 years old with like my first real kind of independence in that I'm not just making it through another semester and, you know, trying to reach all of these goals. Like I finally had a job, I was doing it and I was like, okay, what do I want? Like, what do I want to do? What do I do for fun? And I was like, well, you know what? I'll get a car and then I can go places <laughs> and I'll figure that out. So yeah, it's, it's 2014. I'm working at this job and I had saved up some money. Um, and I would go online, like there were this local message board and I would go in there because people would post cars that they were selling. And I found a car. It was a 2002 Volvo station wagon, um, blue and white, and it had heated seats, which 
is one of my personal measures of success. Like, <laughs> I think it's really important for you to define success in whatever way it means for you beyond these traditional metrics of just a salary or a certain job or a title or whatever. For me, it's like when I can get heated seats in a car, I'll feel like I've achieved something. So I was like, that's a good sign. Um, and I was at work, but I had been watching on these message boards and cars go fast. Like if there's a yeah. good car, it's a good deal. It's going to be gone within a couple of days. So I messaged the guy. He said, like, you're welcome to come take a look. But I have a lot of people who've reached out. And I was like, shit, I got to get over there fast. But here I am, you know, in Spanish Harlem. There's no way I'm going to make it. I have to stay at work. So I called my mom, who had a catering business at the time. So she had some flexibility in her schedule. And I said, mom, can you go look at this car for me? And she said, absolutely. I love you. I'm on it. And so she goes and she calls me. She takes it for a test drive. And she's like, Kate, this car is great go get the money. Like you got to do it. I think it's a good idea. So I'm so excited on my lunch break. I like take the bus to the bank of America and I get the money out, my little savings. And I'm, you know, already seeing myself in my car with my heated seats. I'm driving to the beach in my station wagon, feeling good. Um, I am on the train home from the city and I called my mom and I was like, could you pick me up from the station? And she said yes. And she picks me up and she pulls up in this Volvo in the station wagon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you know, what's what's going on here? This is crazy. What's she doing? Because it, it was like 11 a.m. when she went to go test drive it. So, you know, this little teeny tiny part of me is like, oh, my God, did she just like pay for it? No, <laughs> I get in the car and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? She's like, well, you told me I could test drive it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but that was like six hours ago. What are you doing? <laughs> so she's and just like getting around. groceries and going to get her haircut. Yeah, I turn around and she had the seats down. She'd gone to Costco. Like she had a catering <laughs> business. She's like, oh, look at all this extra space I have. Like, let me stock up for these parties I have coming up. So I was like, mom, what are you doing though? Like you've been in this car for six hours. Is okay? Is this guy freaking out? And she's like, no, don't worry about it. I left my driver's license with him. So I'm like, okay, not only did you like casually steal this person's car, you also are riding without a driver's license right now. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we go to my mechanic and have him give it a look over. And he goes, honestly, I'm not liking the way the transmission feels on this thing. And I was like, oh no, I was devastated. Like I really wanted this car. But I, I also really wanted to make a smart choice. Like I'd driven all of these cars all my life that were falling apart. And I was like, I'm not trying to live like that anymore. You know, I just want to feel safe. I want to feel okay. So we had to back out. Um, what happened to this Volvo when you brought it back to this guy? Like, was he like, where have you been? Or was upset. it like, yeah, he was a little upset. <laughs> and then you were like, like, also, we don't want this. We've been driving it all day and we don't want it. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know, he had the keys out. He had the title out. He had everything on the table. <laughs> um, I was like, uh, hi, actually, you know, my mechanic said whatever. And he was like, oh, you know, I told a bunch of other people like not to come by because you said oh, you were fine. God. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the thing about my mom is she was very like, um, she could be really erratic. My mom was bipolar, like untreated. And this was very classic mom. Yeah. So like um, you're like a little bit embarrassed on because was, of your yeah. mom in this scenario. Yeah. But there was also like no telling her otherwise. 
Okay, yeah. It was like, yeah, she was like, well, this is just a normal part of this. This is so normal. What is, what's wrong? (laughs) If I did push it, like, if it was like, mom, like, you can't just take somebody's car like that. Like, what are you doing? You can't just load it up with groceries. Cause like, I don't even know. What did we do? I guess we like stopped by her storefront and like unloaded. (laughs) Yeah, you had to like get all this stuff. You had to not let them know you were. Shopping. Now I'm trying to remember, right? Did we drive back? We were like, yeah, we're not going to take the car, but we just need to swing by our house real quick and like <laughs> drop off this stuff. But like, that was the thing is she was so great in a crisis. Like when I was like, hey, okay. can you go see the car? She's like, of course. Like yeah. she lived. For yeah. And I feel, yeah, like she's that. very like in, in that moment, she's on your team, right? She's, she's there to do anything to help you. A hundred percent. Yep. So we're back on the hunt now. So I'm going back to work. I'm feeling a little discouraged. And my mom, you know, hits me up one day and she says, Kate, I found this car. It's perfect. And this was on Facebook on like a local group, I think, because this predates Facebook marketplace or whatever, how people sell things on Facebook now. So it was um, this 2001 Honda Accord, silver gray, like the basic, you know, right off the Yeah, the most like, Uh, yeah, the most like default car in we all know the suburbs it. of new jersey i guess yeah anywhere that cars exist yeah 2100 accord only ninety four thousand miles on it which when you're looking for a car under three thousand dollars cash is pretty good because most of what you're looking yeah. at is like very questionable so only ninety four thousand miles only eighteen hundred dollars we're like whoa you know that's like quite inexpensive because people are trying to sell honda Accords 2001 for, you know, two, twenty five hundred, three thousand. We're really trying to get their money because, you know, Hondas last forever. Yeah, because they're so, like, oh, well, this will last another hundred thousand miles or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So and it was like super clean from the pictures. I was like, wow, it's in really good shape. My mom was like, just one thing. It's a stick shift. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know how to drive those. <laughs> and she was like, that's OK. It's a really good deal. I think you should do it. And my mom drove a stick. So she's like, I'll teach you. When I say my mom drove a stick, <laughs> she could get a car around, but like she was never that great at it that we would take stops every now and then because the car would stall out. Um, but it was such a great deal. You know, I was like, ooh, okay. So I go with her to test drive it and she's like, it's great. She's like, you should definitely buy this car. Mechanic looks at it, says everything's really in great shape. Um, so I did it, I paid for it. And then I just had to learn how to drive it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're, you have the satisfaction of like, oh, I have this car. I finally have this thing that is mine, but I can't drive. I don't know how to drive it. It was so frustrating because it was like, yes, I have a car. Can't go anywhere. (laughs) Like I came home, it's in my driveway. I'm like, all right, there's my car that I don't know how to drive. (laughs) Like, you know, even like little things like, oh, I want to run out to the store because I don't think my dad had a car at the time. So we didn't have any wheels. Um, (laughs) So it was, yeah, like we lived near a 7-Eleven. So you could pop in there for stuff. But for everything else, we would, my mom would like come, my parents stayed very close. Like even after splitting up, um, my mom would have to take us places. So yeah, it was just like, ah, ah, I have this car. I can't go anywhere. I can't drive it. Um, so my mom starts teaching me how to drive it in my high school parking lot. <laughs> oh God. So it's like um, literally like flashbacks to being like 17, 16 or whatever and learning how to drive. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's so frustrating. Driving a stick is not for the faint of heart. Like 
it it's hard to get it down and you stall out so much and I'm already like so nervous and I don't want to zoom forward and like crash into something. My heart is, you know, pounding out of my chest the whole time. And she's given me lessons and her boyfriend, he's given me lessons. And um, it, it's frustrating too, because I got to like schedule with them and they're busy all the time. And I just want to drive this fucking car. Like I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to live my life. And I own this car. I can't drive it. And my mom is giving me these lessons. Like one night I just got so frustrated and I screamed at her and I was like, mom, I wanted a fucking car that I could drive. And, you know, I was probably coming off a rough day. Um, If anyone has ever been acquainted with the New Jersey transit on top (laughs) of the New York City public transportation system, like one day of commuting is enough to shred somebody's nerves um, to the point where you can't take anything and then trying to like drive a stick shift on top of that while, you know, being a social worker and trying to help people who just have a lot of fucking problems that aren't their fault. Uh, it was rough and it was a lot of buildup too. I think of my relationship with my mom, cause it was always this back and forth between this like excited, manic, optimistic energy. You can do anything. We can do anything. We can make it work. It's going to be great. And then just like kind of total absence, like emotionally, she would just be gone. She'd be shut down. Like I was saying, you couldn't tell her anything otherwise from what she like felt or thought. And for a long time, I just learned not to challenge my mom, even when it was in her best interest. Like she, she drank a ton and I couldn't tell my mom not to drive drunk. Like there was no convincing her. And even throughout my childhood, like I would get in the car and be terrified. Like she'd come to pick me up with my friends. I'd know she was drunk and there was nothing I could do about it. So I think I also like behind yelling at my mom like that in that moment, I had these years of pent up frustration from trying to tell her how I wanted to do things or what I felt comfortable with or what I wanted to do. And if it didn't line up with whatever her thing was in the moment, it just didn't exist. Yeah. So this is like, yeah, the frustration of driving is like coming off in like other years of frustration of just stuff that has been happening with the kind of like your dynamic with your mom. Yeah. And even the nature of like when you're trying to learn how to drive a stick, what happens is the car stalls out over and over again. The engine turns off essentially because you're not giving the car what it needs in that moment, the delicate balance between the clutch and the gas. And so you keep feeling like you're almost there, like you're getting somewhere and then it stops and, you know, it jolts you forward and like you feel it in your body and it's, it's that frustration over and over again. And I'd felt like that for so many years, even like with my mom where it's like, okay, she'd get really excited about a project or a business she was going to open. It's something she was passionate about. And then it would like crash and burn. And then you'd start again and then it would crash and burn. And as long as it was good, like if you could find that balance, it's weird to say, but like between the the clutch and the gas, like the balance between being on her team and being excited for her. um, And also, I guess, like holding back your own judgments or reservations, then I would be in her good graces. But if I pushed any harder, she would shut down. Like, I mean, she'd she'd be like, I meant to be better. Like if, if, for example, if I try to tell her, you know, that sounds like a great idea, but don't you think you should also do this, you know, make sure you're covering your bases. She didn't like file her taxes on any of her businesses. If you brought any of that up, 
she would just fall apart. If I ever tried to say like, maybe you need to drink a little bit less, she would just fall apart. I meant to be a better mother. I can't handle this. You don't know what I've been through. Like, so it was always really just trying to find this sweet spot where I could stay connected with her. Um, but it meant like putting a lot of what I was really thinking or feeling on hold or on the back burner somewhere. Yeah, so, that sounds like a really tough dynamic to be constantly, because it obviously, you know, it, I like I get the sense that like you really, you know, care about your mom, but it's like, yeah, this there's a there's a complication in that, like as I feel like as many people have with parents for many different reasons. Yeah, it's so hard to see somebody you love so much and care about so much just keep doing things that aren't good for them, but then again, like she found her moments of joy and happiness in doing these things. You never wanted to take that away from her either. Yeah. Like you're trying to think of like it would, when you, it sounds like, and too, when you're kind of coming back and saying like, Hey, but what about this? And what about this? It's like obviously coming from a place of caring and it, it's a hard, that sounds like a really hard, like, as you said, like getting the perfect, the clutch and the perfect point to get to the next gear or whatever. And like, get that, mm-hmm. like, it's such a delicate balance that you have to, Uh, navigate in that scenario yeah but when I yelled at her like that I felt horrible like immediately because it wasn't her fault you know like I agreed to buy the car I wanted the car (laughs) I did want to learn how to drive the car but I was just so frustrated that like it was you know so hard and after all these years college um grad school finding a job all of these things. It was like, I just wanted to drive this car. I just wanted to know how to do it. And I was so frustrated, but she really did hold space for me in that moment where she knew it wasn't about her. Like she just took a breath and she looked at me and she said, it's okay. You'll get it. You're going to get it. Um, And she kept teaching me and I did get it. And I live in a town with a lot of hills. And (laughs) eventually I got to a point where I was doing it. And uh, I, you know, saw that every now and then, but enough. I got it down enough that I could drive without being a danger to myself or other people. Yeah. And you you could like drive on your own when you wanted to and like be fine. (laughs) Yes. Which is amazing. It was magic. Um, but unfortunately, let's see, how many months later was that? I got the car around October, November. Um, four or five months later, my mom died very unexpectedly. She um, was out in Long Island with her sister because my uncle, my aunt's husband, had taken his own life. He died by suicide. And my mom went to go be with her sister, again, in a crisis my mom was the person you wanted to have. She had your back. She would do everything. She thought of everything. So she's taking care of my aunt, helping her with the arrangements. My aunt has four kids, my cousins, she's helping. And, um, they like weren't sleeping at all. They were drinking a lot. I mean, they were grieving and they were out at this bar after the first day of the, the viewing the wake for my uncle, I guess. And my mom had had a lot to drink and she passed out and she fell down and she hit her head and she died like that. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, And I mean, it was, 
devastating. I was the first one my aunt called. Uh, the ambulance came. They went to the hospital. And my aunt, the one who had just lost her husband, was the one who called me. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. It's like, what's going on? And she called me and told me. Um, and I didn't know what to make of it. Like she was crying. She said, your mom died. And I, you know, my brain was like, no, your husband died. Like, what are you talking about? And then like, she, you know, said it again. And it, I just like, I, I dropped to the ground and something in me like feels like, like fell out of my body and, um, she was gone. And I, it's been seven years this year, actually, April 3rd. So not too long ago, seven years. And this year was the first time that I didn't like dread the month of April. Um, I felt really connected to her and I tend to around that time of year. And it's so complicated because I, I love my mom so, so much and I miss her so deeply and so dearly. And in a way, I also felt like I lost her before I lost her because she, because of the way that she drank so much. I mean, she drank a a ton and she, you can't have an emotional relationship or connection with somebody who's always under the influence. And like, yeah, in, in some ways it was like, she was gone in a way for a while. Like when she decided, I don't know that she ever decided, but like she, she stopped taking care of herself. Like she lived like she was on the edge and she had so much fun and so much passion and so much creativity. She had this catering business and people loved her. Like she would have return clients. She'd do all their birthday parties, everything because she was so creative and she brought so much like personality and energy to her projects. And she would not, it wasn't just like, all right, here's some food. We're going to drop it off. Like she ran the whole party for people. She would do everything. She'd make sure everyone was having a good time. She was super creative. She would like arrange flowers and she was always going to like these stores and getting all these little tchotchkes to like decorate for parties. And people loved her so deeply. She was only 53 when she passed away and there were like 200 or something people at her funeral because of the way, like she knew all of these people, but it was hard because she was my mom and I couldn't talk to her about how I felt a lot of the time. Because again, if it didn't line up like with what, where she was at, there was no room for it. So that's what I mean when I say, like, in some ways, I feel like I had lost her a long time before that because she my my parents marriage was very complicated. I should point out they split up in like 2007 or 2008. Um, My dad uh, is gay and she's a woman, so it didn't quite match up. (laughs) Yeah. But he it had been very complicated, like they knew each other when they were younger and he was out and then he became very Christian and like was, was quote unquote straight, um, straight enough that I exist, I suppose. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that sounds very complicated in its own. Yeah. Way. 
so like she but they they were having problems for a long long time before they even split up so like the drinking started and escalated like when I was younger and yeah it was like okay like I had to pretend like everything that was going on was okay meanwhile I'm like making my way through my teenage years and my early 20s and being like I think there's a problem here guys like I don't know like I think the house is on fire I really think we should do something yeah like no why is nobody saying anything like yeah it was tough and I my dad got sober a year before my mom died actually so that was part of it too like the whole getting a car and just being ready wanting this independence like I took care of my parents in a lot of ways like throughout my younger life and I just really wanted something that was mine you know for me like my my dad had gotten sober but up until that point he was in really bad shape he is um, had really severe depression. We had to get him into detox and into like mental health treatment and all that before I even finished grad school. So that was another thing where it was just like, I just, I need a little something that's just for me. Like, I just need to figure out like what my life is if it's not just revolved around these people. Yeah. And I guess it's like that simplicity of if I need a break from all of this, just to get into a car and drive somewhere for an hour and have like space to myself. Right. Like that kind of element of it. Mm -hmm. And I still to this day, like I love a drive, just like a long drive. Yeah, me too. Oh, my my podcast, my music, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, I do some great thinking in the car. I feel very like free. Yeah. Yeah. And there's time there's times when I like I'll like almost schedule out a long drive just to be like, I gotta catch up on podcasts and this is the way uh-huh. to do it is like go yeah. see a friend for a weekend. But really it's just giving me a chance to spend however many hours to catch up on stuff and just like drive somewhere. So I get mm-hmm. yeah, I get like that the feeling of like being in a car and just kind of having that space to yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> I wound up driving us to the funeral home. Um, which I don't think I should have done uh, because I was in a grief state. Just like emotionally. Like, yeah. And barely had a handle on that stick shift at that point. And then like <laughs> layer any level of emotional intensity on top of that. And I, and the uh, parking lot was on a hill on uh, a, a downward uh. incline. So I'm going to like pull out cars facing downhill and I, I didn't get it quite right to reverse. So the car rolled forward into like this barrier and, you know, at zero miles an hour. So it wasn't like anything catastrophic, but it did like crack the bumper a little bit. And I was like, ah, I don't think I should be doing this right now. But it, it driving that car meant so much to me because my mom was the one who had helped me find it and taught me how to drive it. And um, I would think about I don't have that car anymore but I would think about her a lot when I would drive it and I have a lot of empathy for my mom because she did have a really difficult life and she didn't have a lot of guidance or support herself and the way that she was able to mother and parent me in the way that she was she did give me so much and like I would drive the car and think about how she taught me how to drive the car. And I would think about all these other lessons that she gave me, you know, and it was like, okay, you got 24 years with her. Like, that's what you got to build on now, you know, like take those lessons she gave you. And she taught me so much like 
she taught me um, that nobody owes you anything. Like that was the way she lived her life. Like you really, you work hard and you prove yourself or you, you get what you get based on your genuine connections with people or your genuine skills and talents. So you really got to make that work. Like no sense of entitlement whatsoever. Um, that was something my mom really lived. Um, and she was always trying to connect people like her catering business was essentially this huge networking business because she knew all of these people and she'd connect people with each other like, oh, you're having a problem with this. You got to call so and so like she was so great at that. Um, and that's something that is so important to me is connecting with other people. And like, that's why I love storytelling and doing things like this, because it's I it's just something I guess I grew up in the middle of and feels like a first language, like a, just being connected with other people and um, being who you really are. And, and um, that was something that she definitely taught me and that to be an original, like she, part of it probably was influenced by mental illness, but she really believed at times that she could do anything. Um, and then the other side of that, unfortunately would be like these crashes of just like no self-esteem and like, all that. But when she was up, she was up and she really put a lot of that on me in a positive way where I mean, it like rubbed off on me and that like, if you really, you know, work at it and you you try and you get it right, like you can do the things that you set your mind to. Um, and she yeah, like she opened this catering business. And she was like, you know what, I can do this. She had this painting business. She had all these things. And she was just like, I love it. I could do it. Um, and so I've gotten a lot of that from her too. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I also feel like, mm -hmm. you know, the way you talked about kind of these car moments, right? These like, uh, lessons and how you were saying, uh, it, it was sort of hard to have these emotional conversations with your mom. It felt like, like looking back on those lessons it are kind, were kind of this perfect fusion of your mom having a mission and mm -hmm. you getting to connect in these ways that maybe weren't like the depths of w what you may have wanted in kind of those like mom moments, but still like you got to have kind of like almost the best version of your mom in those moments, even though, yeah, it might've ended in frustration at times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. At one point in time, her business was called parties with a purpose. And that was like totally her, like when something had a purpose, when she had a mission, she was unstoppable. Truly. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm glad I got to hear this story about your mom. Um, yeah, thank, thanks so much for sharing it. Yeah, I'm so glad to have been able to share it. Thank you. Yeah, do you have anything you want to share with people where they can find more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a comedian and a psychotherapist. So you can follow me at Hey Kate Nichols, um, H-E-Y-K-A-T-E. N-I-C-H-O-L-S. That's my uh, comedy page. I post flyers for shows and things like that that I have coming up. And um, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice. I specialize in working with creative women and queer folks. Um, so artists of all different types. And you can find, uh, it's linked in my other Instagram, but my practice page is Cycle Breakers Therapy on Instagram. So that's where you can find all about me. Cool. Well, thanks so much again for sharing, Kate. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, so happy to do it. Thanks for having me. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. Love Hurts.